welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 10th of August 2014, entitled The Children of the Exile, and the Bible reading is taken from Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 to 21. Here's Brother Romani Farmi. been a while since uh, I've done something like this, so um, forgive me if I'm a bit rusty and so forth. Um, I'm still experiencing fatherhood and the lack of time associated with my own time, so it's very uh, interesting at the moment. Um, yeah, um, I haven't come to church for almost five, six weeks, and it's been a very, for those who know me, it's been very hectic since Elijah was born and mother's going through and it's it's you know but thank god you know it, things are improving and i think we have to put our faith and trust into the lord jesus christ and um yeah so um today's i don't want to call it a sermon because i'm not a preacher or a theologian to make into a sermon so consider this as a bible study and we are going to do a bible study on the book of daniel chapter one um I've been studying the book of Daniel for a couple of weeks now, and the problem with the book of Daniel, from my personal experience, I kept on reading it and forgetting it, reading and forgetting it. But now, after doing a very thorough uh, analysis of the book, I find it a a very amazing book. And we're going to just actually cover the book of Daniel, how we actually got to the book of Daniel, and what we can actually learn from uh, from Daniel chapter 1. Um, of course, in order to loosen everyone's minds and spirits and so forth, I always start off with a joke, um, just to, you know, guess in the mood kind of thing. Um, Cherry, can you open uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 18? And Peter, can you open the Gospel of John chapter 4, verse 18? Sometimes it's really important to get things right, and this joke actually tells you how thorough you should be when doing anything. Uh, A couple were getting married, and the best man, because he was helping the the groom preparing everything, he didn't have time to buy a gift. So he thought, okay, let's order some flowers. So he called up the flower directory and says, I need to send some flowers to this couple who are getting married. And the woman says, yeah, fine, no no problem. Would you like a special message to be put in with flowers? He says, yeah, I want to put down 1 John 4.18. But the woman heard it as John 4.18. So 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not being perfect in love. Very nice words. Now, what does the Gospel of John, chapter 4, 18 say? For thou hast had five husbands, and the same whom thou hast not is not thy husband, in that service thou truly. You see, getting things right is very important in anything that we do. And uh, I thought that was nice, but yeah. <laughs> okay, we're going to read uh, the, the book of Daniel, chapter 1, uh, all the way through this 21 verses. Um, if you can stand, if you can't sit down, because it's a very long chapter. But before we read this chapter, um, there's something which I think uh, you should actually put into your head. And it's this verse which I've heard uh, from a movie. It says, a king can move a man, 
but the soul belongs to the man. So when we read chapter 1, have that in the back of your mind, okay? Okay, so book of Daniel, chapter 1. In the third year of the reign of Joachim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Joachim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessel of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shina to the house of his gods. And he brought uh, the vessels into the treasure the house of his god. And the king, king spake unto Asaphos, the master of his uh, eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and the king's seed of the princes, children in whom there was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science and such as has the ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom that they might teach the learning and the tongues of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank. So nourishing, nourishing them three years, and at the end of their, thereof, uh, they might stand before the king. Now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the princes of the eunuchs gave names, who he gave unto Daniel the name of Belshazzar, and Hananiah, Shadrach, and unto uh, Mishael, um, Meshach, and unto Azariah, Abednego. But Dan Daniel purposed in, in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the princes of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, who has appointed your meat and your drink, for why should he see your faces worse like likening than the children which are, uh, are of your sort? Then shall you make me endanger my, uh, endanger my head to the king. Then said Daniel to Meshazar, uh, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set, before, uh, set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten, day, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenance be looked upon before thee, and, uh, and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat, and as thou seest, deal with thy servants. So he consented to them in this matter and proved them ten days. And at the end of the ten days, their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat of the portion of the king's meat. Thus Melzor took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. And as, for, and as for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning of wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now, at the end of the days, the king uh, had said he should bring them in. The prince uh, of the eunuchs brought them in to, uh, before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king commuted with with them, and among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired them, he found them ten times better than the magicians and the astrologers that were in all his realm. And Daniel continued even to the first year of Cyrus. Be seated. Um, very powerful stuff. Um, you can see this in, as, as an overview that you had these children from Israel yeah, coming to Babylon and they purposed it in their hearts that they shouldn't de de defile themselves uh, to the ways of 
the, the, the times of that, uh, the, the, the kingdom of that time. And it shows that if you're true to, to God's word, he will look after you. Because it even says, like towards the end, it says they found, uh, they found Daniel 10 times better than anyone uh, of his profession, so to speak. So one of the books, so, so the book of Daniel acts as a pillar for both apologetics and for prophecy. For those who've studied Daniel, there's 12 chapters in the book of Daniel. And it's a very interesting book. Um, we have the, um, it's, uh, when you get to like, for example, chapter seven, it's linked with the book of Revelation. And it talks about the 70 weeks, the coming times and the end times and so forth. Um, it, we also get a view of who Jesus Christ is. Uh, I think it was in chapter four when the three Hebrew children were thrown into the fiery furnaces and King Nebuchadnezzar said, Actually, I don't see three people, I see four people. And he looks like the son of God. That to me implicitly said Jesus Christ. You know, some other ones you can like, okay, you know, it could be this, it could be that, but this it's plain and simple, it's out there. You learn a lot about the character traits of Daniel. Um, and what we're going to do is just give an overview of each chapter and how we actually got, how the children of Israel got into Babylon at that time. So why study Daniel? First of all, it reveals Gentile history. Another thing about the book, which, which I heard, um, is that the book is actually written in two languages. Not many people know this. The chapter one is actually written in Hebrew. Then chapters two all the way to, I think, chapter six, it's written in Aramaic. And then from seven all the way to the end is written back into Hebrew. It's very interesting why they went back and forth with, with language. A very unique thing about this book as well is that you have a chapter written by Nebuchadnezzar itself, himself. A Gentile king's actually written a chapter of this book that you cannot find, you won't find any, anything like this in the rest of the Bible. Um, it's also the, uh, the book of Daniel is also, also the most validated book from the Old Testament. It's, they've gone through so much, um, proof testing, archaeological, uh, archaeological. It's, it's very authentic in its nature. Uh, you find the deity of Jesus Christ in, in, in this. Um, uh, interesting thing, which I found on the internet, it says in 323 BC, priest Jada showed Alexander the Great, the prophecy of, of him, in the book of Daniel. And that was recorded by Josephus. Very, very interesting, huh? Um, Jesus also, another good reason of why we study the book of Daniel, because Jesus actually quotes from Daniel, okay? And he actually quotes him three times. He, uh, in my note, it says, Daniel is linked to Noah and Job. Um, this is quoted in Ezekiel. In fact, he was a measuring rod of how you measure wisdom uh, in the Old Testament. And he's one of two prophets besides Jesus that no evil was speaking of uh, in the Old Testament. The other one was uh, Joseph. Uh, and he's an example of faithful and political stewardship. Um, so to go to, to give you an, an overview of just the book of Daniel, like I said, this is more of a Bible study than, than, than uh, a proper preaching. Um, in my notes, the book can be broken down into two sections. The, uh, the book of Daniel can be broken from chapters one to about chapter six, and that that explains the um, the situation at that time. It's more history, what actually occurred. From seven all the way to the to the end, it's a book of prophecy, and it's very unique on how they actually split both of them. 
So um, for those who forgot about uh, the book of Daniel, chapter one is basically talking about the character traits of the Hebrew children, as well as the exile to Babylon. Chapter two um, is basically King Nebuchadnezzar's dream and where Daniel actually shows his ability to um, read, uh, read, dream, uh, read dreams. Chapter three, of course, is, the, is a very uh, well-known one in where the Hebrew children were actually thrown into uh, the fiery furnaces. Chapter four, once again, chapter four is the, the unique book where King Nebuchadnezzar actually wrote, wrote, his, uh, um, uh, cha- uh, wrote the chapter in his book, and it was all about pride. Um, chapter five is basically the fall of Babylon itself. And of course, the children one, the, the most children know this one. Chapter six is when Daniel is thrown into the lion's den. Chapter seven is about the four beasts and about the rising kingdoms. And this is where we're going to start going into prophecy and the end times. Uh, chapter eight was about the ram and the he goats, about the kingdoms of Romans, uh, the Roman Empire and uh, Greece and so forth. Chapter uh, nine is the 70 week vision. Chapter 10 is actually kind of a weird one. I've put, it, I've put it down here as the glimpse to the dark side, which is basically looking into the spirit, where, uh, spirit realm um, uh, of the world, so to speak. Uh, chapter 11 is called The Silent Years, and this is basically the 400-year period between uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, chapter 12 is basically the wrap-up of God's plan. So you can see it's a very complex book, and I, I, to, to be fair, like if you read it the first time and you, if, you've never read, read it again, you will forget it. And this is why I actually say it's probably worth going through a detailed study of the book of Daniel because it's, it's for, us, for, us, for us as Christians, it plays a pivotal role, um, not only in our faith, but also what to expect because it's linked to the book of Revelation. Um, another thing about the book, it's not in order. If you look at the dates of how, of, of how the chapters were written, they're not in perfect order. Um, but how did we get to this stage? How did we get to the book of Daniel? Um, we need to go back to King, uh, basically Solomon. As you know, um, we had uh, the book of the judges and then the Israeli people said to God, we want a king, we want a king. And then eventually David um, came onto the scene and then his son Solomon. And of course, Solomon was the wisest, wisest man uh, from the Old Testament. But Solomon had a, I guess in his later life, he started to lose his mind a little bit because the Bible says he married a lot. He married a, a, a real lot. It says in the Bible that he married 700 women and had 1,000 con- uh, concubines or something like that. So get, getting married to all these women actually led his mind astray. I'm not saying, you know, women marriage does that to you. I'm, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying is that if you have two, if your head and your heart is focused away from God, it would lead you uh, down a very dangerous path. But because of Solomon's uh, ways, um, two, basically his son um, had... Uh, the kingdom was basically uh, broken into two. And this was the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was Israel. The southern kingdom was called Judah, okay? The northern kingdom was ruled by Jeroboam, which was kind of like a stranger who got himself into the uh, kingship. He was actually elected by God, and he looked after basically the 10 tribes. Uh, 
Solomon's son Rehoboam looked after two tribes. But you can see the kingdom was split, yeah? Jeroboam basically led Israel in a very dark, uh, dark path. The line of Judah, they, uh, sorry, uh, Judah itself kept on falling in and out with God. They, sometimes they'd done good, sometimes they didn't do good. And it just kept on going like this. Now, in the book, uh, the book of Deut- uh, Deuteronomy, chapter 28, verse 15 to 16, uh, 68, Moses warned Israel of spiritual adultery, which Israel and Judah did, uh, for, for most of the time, did that. Um, of course, that had repercussions. Now, the northern kingdom, Israel, fell to the Syrians in 725 BC under King uh, uh, Hosea. And 605 uh, BC, Nebuchadnezzar, ne- ne- Nebuchadnezzar II defeated Pharaoh Necho and invaded Judah. Now, Jehoiakim swapped sides from Egypt to Babylon. So basically, Jehoiakim wanted to win against Babylon. But because the Babylonians were beating the Egyptians, he decided to swap sides. So, you know, it's like a football match. If you see one side winning, you won't jump to that side kind of thing. Um, but when, when that happened, that led to the first siege of Judah. So we, we, we've said now that Israel has actually fallen. There's no more Israel, okay? All you have is Judah left. So siege one, Joachim released as basically, I called it here, a Mickey Mouse king because he's paid tribute. He doesn't want any trouble, any war or anything. But that means he was subject to Babylon. Of course, when you're under subject to another country, you have to give up things. And those things were from actually the house of God. They took vessels from the house of God and that led to um, weird things in chapter five where Cyrus started to drink from these vessels. But... We're getting ahead of ourselves. Um, during the first siege, this is where Daniel and his three friends were actually moved from Judah to Babylon. And this is where we get into the book of um, Daniel. Um, one interesting thing is that Daniel and his, uh, Dan, well, particularly in Daniel, he was a prince. Not many people know that he's always, you know, they thought, okay, he's a prophet or this. He's actually from the royal bloodline. Um, approximately, and I've put down my notes, the siege uh, and this, uh, the subject to Babylon took almost 70 years. Um, the problem with the first siege is that, okay, they agreed with Babylon, but then um, eventually they kept on falling out with Babylon. And what happened was that Joachim had a lot of false prophets. And there was two prophets in particular who actually tried to tell him, you know, what you're doing is not right. That was the prophet Jeremiah and Ezekiel. They were there at the time and they were telling him, you know, you have to listen to God. You have to, you know, be under uh, uh, um, subject to Babylon. Um, But he didn't listen. He kept on listening to the false prophets. So siege two, Joachim, uh, Joachim ignores Jeremiah and rebels and basically dies. So his son, Joachim, these names are very complex, Joachim reigns until siege is over. Uh, Jeremiah, this, um, when I was doing this study, something popped up during this kingdom, uh, during all this problem, and it actually got me into a big uh, theological debate in my own head. If you go to Jeremiah chapter 22, verse 30, it says... Thus says the Lord, write ye this man childless, a man that shall not prosper in his days, 
For no man of his seed shall prosper, sitting upon the throne of David and ruling any more in Judah. That causes that caused me a big theological problem, because you have if you read the Old Testament thoroughly, God keeps on telling you know there's going to be a, a royal bloodline from um, from the line of David and so forth. But now, when you get into the book of Daniel, it seems like Israel is lost and Judah is lost. So and now God has basically cursed the blood, basically the root, um, the line of David. So there's a, uh, basically a royal bloodline curse, so to speak. And listening to other preachers and doing my own research, this explains a lot in the New Testament, where basically in the book of Matthew and Luke, they go through genealogy of Jesus Christ. So in Matthew, uh, in the book of Matthew, Abraham, uh, he relates Je- uh, Jesus back to Joseph, back to Solomon, back to David, then back to Abraham. Okay. Then in Luke, Jesus is related to the second son of Solomon, which was not from the not from the true king bloodline. But then he related, related back to David, then back to Adam. I thought to myself, why are they going through all this? You know, why? And it caused a big issue. But it's because of that verse. They try and show that Jesus, he didn't really come from the royal bloodline of kings, but through the son of Solomon. Because of the curse that God has put upon, um, from from the verse that we read from Jeremiah twenty two thirty. Um, but very interesting because you, you you find yourself when you do Bible studies you get diverted, but you have a hero there. Um, so anyway, so basically, under the second siege, uh, there was a ten thousand captives, and this is where Ezekiel is uh, basically migrated. But uh, Jeremiah still remains in Jerusalem. Uh, basically, Zedekiah ends up blind because he fought against Babylon. And I think uh, the Bible says he looked at his children and then the king basically blinded him. And that's a horrible way to to live the rest of your life. You know. But, um, yeah, okay. So we get to the book of Daniel. So Daniel, the, the thing which I find about Daniel is that I hear a lot of people saying, oh, you know, back in those days it was harder and... Uh, you know, today is not like those days or whatever kind of thing. Um, I actually find that the the period in where Daniel lived is actually very similar to the way we live now. If you think about it, yeah, you have godly people living in a secular society, people worshipping more than one god. And this is true for us as Christians. We are living in a society where you have one end scientists telling us, you know, that there's no such thing as God and we're all here by chance. You have another group saying, you know, well, Jesus Christ was only a prophet. Another guy is like, yeah, you know, you know, I believe in Buddha and, you know, all the, all the, so you find yourself in a pluralistic society where people are not following one true God, but they're actually following their own, uh, their own religions. And this is very similar with Daniel. Um, the thing which I liked about Daniel that he was really steadfast. He was very, um, he, he knew what he believed and he wouldn't, wouldn't be moved. We find ourselves in modern day society, Christian, Christi, uh, Christians being, in essence, being compromising our, uh, our own theology, our own principles, our own way of life, just to fit into society. But you can, you can see by Daniel that he refused to actually be part of the crowd. He stood out from them. Um, another interesting thing is like 
why did King Nebuchadnezzar win? This is another thing. Why did that happen? And then he actually, it's explained in verse 2, because it says that God was with him. Basically, God gave Judah into the hand of, of Babylon. So God can use our enemies to bring us in and to actually teach us a lesson. You know? Um, verse 4, it says, Children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning, and in knowledge and understanding, and such that has ability to stand in the, ability, uh, the king's palace, and whom they might teach and learn the tongue of the Chaldeans. Nebuchadnezzar was a very clever guy. If you conquer another country, and you, you can see this with what's going on with Syria and Palestine and so forth, um, the people who are being conquered are not going to be happy people. They're not, yeah? But this guy was actually really clever. He actually said, okay, I'm going to conquer them, but then I'm going to take a selected few of them and bring them in to bring, us, to bring them as one of our own. And through that, we can get unity. So he wasn't a, uh, he wasn't a dumb guy, a, a dumb king. He was a very clever king in order to maintain a uniform um, kingdom. So he took the captives and basically taught them all manner of things, including science. Um, he made friendship and servitude. He actually says that that Daniel himself actually rose to almost the level of the uh, uh, president of Babylon. So God actually brought him from basically a, in a sense a slave to a position of authority, and it was God who done that. But once again, it's it's another thing which diverted my attention from from the book of Daniel is that he says that um, Israel was conquered. But it wasn't Israel, it was Judah, because we found out, we found out before that Israel actually fell, uh, fell about two or three decades before Judah fell. So what I, so I, I started to look into actual details of it. But yes, the kingdom was split into two, into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. But you always have to remember that the people, the 12 tribes, were all intermixed between these two regions. You can't say that, oh, you know, the, the tribe of Judah and the tribe of um, Joseph are in the southern kingdom and the rest of them are in the northern kingdom. They all intermixed with each other. Um, and that, and, and when, we, when we use the term Israel here, we're talking about the 12 tribes of Israel, not the actual kingdom itself. But once again, that diverted me to a different direction. But in terms of the science that they were probably taught, um, the Babylonians, uh, which, were based, which, which is basically modern-day Iraq and Iran around that region today, um, they're very clever people. This is why they were very keen on teaching people science. And I actually looked into some of the, the, the sort of things that these, the Babylonians actually gave us as uh, human beings. Um, they gave us systems for basically th for angles. So basically when we say the circle has 360 degrees, it actually came from the Babylonian system. 60 minutes into an hour, that also came from them the ideology of logic, astronomy. Even I've heard people saying that the three wise men who actually went to Jesus' birth actually originated from the kings of, um, so, so from, from Babylon itself. And that would actually make sense because they were really advanced at that time in terms of astrology. So you're dealing with a very advanced country in terms of their thinking and so forth. Another thing which I studied um, and I found very confused, and I actually spoke to a few people about this, is why did 
King Nebuchadnezzar changed the children of Israel's names. I find, I find that absolutely, you know, outstanding. Like, why would you go from Daniel to Belshazzar? It, it doesn't make sense. Um, but basically, there's actually a, a logical reason behind it. If you look at the name in Hebrew of all the four children, they're all related to God in some form or another. So if you look at the word Daniel, the Hebrew meaning is God is my judge. Uh, Hananiah in the Hebrew means beloved of the Lord. Mishael, who is as God. Azariah, the Lord is my help. They're all related to God. Now, if you look at the Babylonians, uh, Babylonian names of these, uh, of these four um, children, um, and when I say children, they were probably around the age of 15 to 18, so they're not really kids, but it's neither here or there. But the names, if you, go f- if you try to find under- uh, sorry, the, the, the names of Belshazzar, uh, Mishrek, uh, and Abednego, and so forth, they all have different connotations, and they're actually away from God. So if you take the word Daniel, which is, in, in this case, um, uh, Belshazzar, he actually means Prince of Bel, which was probably one of the idols at the time. Hananiah's name in the, Hebrew, in the Babylonian name, it means illuminated by the sun god. Michel in the Babylonian, who is like unto the moon god, which is very similar to the Muslims, because the Muslims say that their names, um, the, Allah actually is originated from the moon god, not as the god that we know. Azariah, which is a very interesting one, it says the son of Nego, a shining fire. But Nego... If you go back into ancient um, idol um, history, Nego actually means Lucifer, which is completely separated from what the actual names in the Hebrew actually mean. So basically, I guess what they tried to do here, the reason why they changed the name is trying to uh, change the uh, identity and then they can conform to, to the Babylonian society. So they're giving up, in essence, trying to loosen them from detachment from God. Um, another interesting thing which I saw in uh, verse 9 is why didn't Daniel eat the meat? I found that very, you know, like it's, it's you know, like the, the king has given you meat, so it's not going to come into like small portions of meat. They're going to give you large amounts of meat. Why didn't Daniel eat it? And I thought to myself, you know, could it be a vegetarian? And I've, I've actually heard people saying, you know, the reason we should be vegetarians because Daniel didn't eat the meat, which I think is just, uh, I think they're crazy. But the reason why he didn't eat the meat is because under Mosaic law, they weren't allowed to eat um, meat, which was sacrificed to idols. So you can see Daniel standing firm in, in his um, principles and his doctrine. Um, another interesting thing about Daniel, even though he stood fast and he stayed, stayed to his principle, he won favor. He won favor by, first of all, the, uh, the eunuch, the eunuch who was in charge of the, of the, of the, of the uh, children of Israel, because the eunuch was very concerned about his own position. Because if you read the history of Nebuchadnezzar, even though God has used him, he was a very, very difficult man. Um, basically, uh, I've I've just brought up a few notes. It says, in Jeremiah chapter 39, verse 6 to 7, Nebuchadnezzar 
basically put out people's eyes after killing his or her family. Uh, Daniel 2, Nebuchadnezzar makes, uh, uh, makes their uh, servants, uh, uh, turns their house into a dunghill. He's also known to roast officers of his own kingdom. And that's found in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 22. Uh, you can see this guy is a very, you know, he, he knows how to reduce headcount, put it that way, in his kingdom. So you, can, you can't really blame the eunuch uh, being fearful. But Daniel actually won him over. You see what I mean? So I guess in, in times of us, yes, we should stay to our principle, but we should still be able to love other people and stuff and, and still win favor from them. Um, an interesting thing as well is that the, it says in the last verse, and it says, it says Daniel continued even to the first year of King Cyrus. Daniel outlived basically everyone in that kingdom. He, it's, you know what I mean? It's like um, he went from King Nebuchadnezzar to another king and now to King Cyrus. So God, if you do the right thing, God will basically prolong your life. And that's also quoted in the book of Job. Um, so Daniel was, he's known for a man of prayer. Uh, he's also very good in terms of discernment and resistance to evil. You have to remember this, uh, Daniel at that time was only about 15 years old. And if you compare our 15-year-olds today, they all live at, live at home. But the moment that they live abroad, they, you know, they, they, they start to forget a lot of their own principles. But Daniel, even though he was away from home, kept to his teachings. And this is where um, I think uh, having a good home and distilling God's word into, into our children helps us um, in the long run. Um, Daniel, he, he gave voice of disagreement, but he was still respectful. Uh, he was known for courage, uh, per, uh, perseverance, determination, and meekness. It's all good sense. Um, the reason why like I said I've, I've, uh, I've, I've read this, um, and I, the reason why I wanted to actually bring this to your, to your attention is because it goes back to what I was saying originally. A king can move a man, but the soul belongs to the man. And this is a perfect example because you see Daniel going into a new kingdom, uh, people worshipping all weird things, even people worshipping money and so forth, but yet Daniel stayed in his principles. How many of us can say the same thing? You know, like we, you know, we can have our church family and we can all pretend with one another, but on, when we go outside these doors, are we still the same person as in church? And we need to be very firm in where we stand with God. But regardless of what happens, God is in charge. You can see throughout this, uh, this chapter that God has always had his hand in it. Um, in, it says, uh, Daniel chapter 1, verse 2, it says, And the Lord gave Joachim, king of Judah, into his hand. So that's God. In Daniel 1, 9, it says, Now God had brought Daniel into favor, so you can see God working in the background. Uh, Daniel chapter uh, one seventeen, it says, "As for these children, God gave them knowledge and skill." You, you can, God, you, you can follow God, okay? And if you do good or bad, you won't be judged one day, regardless, either in heaven or you won't be judged here. Um, you have to. God will. If you're walking with God, God will always be in the background 
doing things for your own benefit. It might not make sense at the time for us, but it's the, it, but God will do it to build us up, to uh, become more like him in terms of uh, uh, to teach us a lesson or to grow us in the faith or to actually share uh, our experiences with other Christians. So God is always in, in the background. Um, but even when I read the Old Testament, I, I like reading the Old Testament because it's it, there's a lot of history. It's all interlinked and so forth. I, I still love the New Testament, but um, I, I always like how Jesus is portrayed in the Old Testament. This is why I studied uh, I study the Old Testament quite a lot. Um, but I thought to myself, we are very lucky. We are actually a lot more lucky than Daniel because Daniel never saw Jesus. You know, he he lived in the hope that Jesus would you know come back. Yeah. We know that Jesus was born, he took away our sins, and all our head knowledge, they did not know, all the head knowledge that we know now, they didn't know at that time. All they had like was bits and bobs, like glimpses. Um, so we are actually very lucky because we now know the truth, okay? But the question is now, how do we portray that truth to everyone else, you know? And do our lives actually portray that? That's that's a real question as Christians that we should really address ourselves, you know, because like even Daniel, like he didn't know much about Jesus Christ. He like, of course, he lived in hope and so forth. But even without Jesus, he stood fast to what he believed. With us, do we do the same? It's one of those things. Um, the society is exactly the same as uh, Babylon, you know, people just worshipping all over the place. I just put down here, we have to be built up in the faith and we have to stead, we have to be steadfast and share the gospel because you, just like the book of Daniel, we can be, uh, you know, sowing seeds, speaking to people and so forth. But eventually this age of the Gentiles will come to an end. And just like in the book of Daniel, the book goes from history to prophecy and eventually that prophecy is going to be fulfilled. I thank you for giving me the ability to um, come and, preach um uh, sorry it wasn't a sermon um but uh but this is why i'm not a pastor <laughs> um thank you god bless her huh?